listening to Chamber Chats, and before we start, I'm just going to thank our underwriter, which is Wildberries, so support comes from Wildberries Marketplace. Wildberries is proud to offer a broad choice of quality products, superior service, and exceptional ambiance while supporting many organizations in our community, just like Humboldt Hot Air. Head over to the home of the Wild Platter Cafe and the Wild Nectar Juice Bar for all your shopping needs, and don't forget, they have delivery and curbside every day. Wildberry Marketplace, your supermarket of choice, top of the hill G Street in our Arcata. And we have a treat for you today. I've been really wanting to talk to Amy for a long time about her business. So um, I am sitting with Amy Boner here from Alchemy Distillery. Hello. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh my goodness. I am so excited. So before we even start, I just want to congratulate you because you've like crossed the last hurdle and your brand new tasting room is about to open. Yes, this is some fun timing because just as of this week, we have all of our permits in hand. We can officially open 
and do everything we've been planning on doing for many years. That's amazing. And if you haven't been there, like head down. That place is like a dream. They have windows that open up and you can sit like outside on a bench and inside. It's it's like the best setup. It's so awesome. But so Alchemy Distillery has been around like even so let's talk about the genesis of, of your business. So when did this idea start incubating? Sure. Um, so my husband, Steve, and I are big on doing a lot of research before we pursue something um, for several reasons, to make sure it's something we're going to enjoy, to make sure it's something that makes sense in this community and will make money and people will be interested in it. So we actually got this idea in 2010. Wow. And it was all from a picture in a magazine. There was um, a man by a little still and it had a bunch of copper piping on the wall behind it. And it looked just like the copper piping that we do for radiant heating in our construction company. And I showed it to my husband and he said, well, I, I can build that. I can pipe that. What's what's going on? And I said, he makes his own whiskey. And so that's where it started, a picture in a magazine, and we just started researching it, and it took about seven years from that moment until we actually made our first batch. Were you whiskey drinkers before any of this? We loved bourbon. Okay. And at the time, I will admit, I didn't know bourbon could be made anywhere in America. And we still regularly get people that say, you can't call that bourbon. It's made in California. It has to be made in Kentucky. And um, I have to politely say, well, you could Google it, but I will be here to tell you that you can make bourbon anywhere in America. So when we found that out, uh, then it was like, we're definitely going to do this because we can make our own and, and actually label it as bourbon. Right on. And you did obviously like a ton of research. I, research. I imagine that there were many tasting trips and kind of info gathering. What did that look like? Yeah. The funnest research and development ever, right? So we definitely would buy small batch spirits and drink them at home. Um, anytime we went on a road trip, we'd Google the closest distillery. Mm -hmm. And then um, we took a really big road trip across the country. And it was six weeks and we went to every distillery we could. And we we tried to go to mom and pop distilleries, but also we hit, you know, Maker's Mark, Jim Beam, Jack Daniels. And by the time we got home from that road trip, we knew that this was something we could do um, and still keep our day job because we met people that did that on our journey. Awesome. So as you were like traveling around and tasting, did you think you, your like palate got more able to you know, find the nuances of the different spirits and become more experts like that? Yeah, I mean, I definitely still wouldn't consider myself an expert. I know um, I can pick out faults now, mm -hmm. which is actually a really useful skill. Um, but I'm not great at putting words to mm -hmm. what I'm tasting. But I know if I like it and I know if something's funky about it and I can usually determine what that funk is and fix it. Um, so yeah, definitely our palates have grown. Um, we do a lot of blind tastings for each other and I'll slip in our spirits with other spirits and see what Steve's favorite is. And, um, it sure is great when we come out on top. That's so amazing because like, I know that, you know, you were talking about bourbon, you know, you can make it in California, but I know there's a lot of differences. Like there's like whiskey and whiskey, right? And so, and one of those things has to be made somewhere. One of them's with an E and one of them's not, right? <laughs> yeah, the E is kind of a preference thing. Um, so, but there are rules. So bourbon is a type of whiskey, but whiskey can be rye or wheat or corn. Um, we do put the E in. Okay. Um, yeah, you will tend to see Scott Scottish whiskeys be without the E. Scotch can only be made in Scotland. So, you know, there definitely are rules. Um, and then there are some things that are just preference. Right. And then something like has to touch some kind of barrel to be specifically called something too. Right. So whiskey has to touch oak, even if you just run it through the oak, because we be we do have a clear whiskey, which is unaged. It's clear as water. It comes mm -hmm. off the still like that. So it does have to touch oak before bottom. 
bottling. Um, and then, of course, the longer it's in the barrel, the the darker the brown color you're going to see. But also it's going to be mellower, more caramely, um, just way more sippable instead of what you would consider moonshine. Right. Well, I had a bad moonshine experience. <laughs> They're rarely good. <laughs> Probably mine was not that good. <laughs> and there's too much of it. So um, you came back from your road trip and then, you know, you sat down and wrote a a business plan. So what did that look like? What were the steps you took? Right. So we wrote a business plan, which we're familiar with from our construction company. And then, you know, there was a whole other layer of things to do with this business. You need a state ABC permit. You need a federal TTB permit. Um, and then just what comes before what? So it was always a cart before the horse. Like, okay, let's start getting these permits. But then, wait, we have to have model numbers for our still and our boiler and our equipment. So wait, put that on hold. Go get the equipment ordered. So it was a very steep learning curve. There's no book that I could find for it. And we're not the kind of people that like to just call someone that's done it before and say, will you tell me how to do it? Um, we want to do the research ourselves, And so it takes a lot more time, but I take a lot of pride in figuring it out myself. Um, and so that that did take quite some time just to get all the logistics together. And then in your business plan, you came up with your name, Alchemy Distillery. Why did you come up with that particular name? Well, it's funny. So many people still don't know what alchemy means. And I'm not even kidding. People call and ask for Al. Alchemy. <laughs> And so for a while, our construction company had an ad in the, um, it was the Arcata Eye at the time, and it was like the dictionary definition of alchemy, you know, how you pronounce it phonetically and what it means. And so for those that don't know, it's a it's the process of turning something with no value into something valuable. And so um, back in the day, that was trying to turn lead into gold. Right. And with our construction company, we take a raw piece of land and we build a beautiful home. And so we thought, gosh, you know, this really applies here. We're taking raw grain and voila, it's something you can drink and enjoy. Um, and then the other really funny reason we went with Alchemy is uh, we have one phone number for both businesses. Uh -huh. And so I answer the phone Alchemy. And then when they start talking, I figure out which business they're calling about. So that's very handy um, to just have it be the same name. That's that's a great story. So um, part of your business plan, and I think what a lot of people really admire about you and what's so wonderful about your business is your commitment to really like keeping things hyper local like I mean I remember when I first went into your tasting room the old one you know there were like barrels of all these grains and it was just so remarkable to see like the start of the product and then the finished product so tell me how um, the idea to to stay that local came about. Sure. Yeah. When we started the distillery, we actually didn't know we could get local grains. And so I had put an order in with this huge company <clears throat> to get flaked corn and milled grains because we didn't have our mill yet. And the first order came, it was the corn. And I thought this stuff is not I don't want to use this. It didn't even smell like corn. Mm -hmm. I had no idea how long it had been sitting in bags. It definitely didn't seem fresh. And so we put on hold, put that on hold. And I actually contacted Beck's Bakery, Rhonda Wiedenbeck, and um, asked her, can I talk to you? Because you use local grains in your breads. You use local farmers. And um, can I pick your brain? And I went to her bakery and I stayed for two hours. And she, to this day, is one of my favorite people I know. And so she introduced me to the local farmers. She was happy to share their bounty with us. Um, and she actually milled the first grains that we got because our mill wasn't ready yet. Mm -hmm. And so from then, you know, the first bottle that we turned into a, a contest, a judging contest, it won a medal. And we thought, let's never change anything. Yeah. We're using local grains. We're going to mill it fresh in-house. Um, and everything else we do, the way we distill it, the way we ferment it. From that day forward, we haven't changed our process at all. Yeah, and if you look on your website, it really even calls out like all the places that you get grains from, and you've been to these farms, and you really have relationships with these people, which is just a really beautiful. 
It's my favorite part of the distillery. If I had to pick one thing, it would be the local farmers. And over the years, we've worked with maybe eight different farmers. But right now, we exclusively for local grains work with Lisa and Lawrence Heinley. They have properties in Honeydew and Petrolia, which is about 80 miles from here. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, we're invited to the planting. We're invited to the harvest. Um, you know, they clean it for us at their home in Fortuna. And then I can go pick it up. It's very convenient. They're some of our closest friends. Um And so the only grains we don't get here are corn. So we can't get corn in Humboldt. There's corn grown here, but it's for silage, Mm -hmm. for animal feed. And that means that the people that farm corn here, they have equipment that harvests the whole plant. The stalk, the husk, the corn, they grind it all up and give it to animals. So that that wouldn't be suitable for us. So for corn, our our closest place we can source corn is woodland. Okay. And that's still, you know, it's close enough. We could turn and burn in a day. Yeah. Nielsen Feed, actually, we have a relationship. They go pick it up for us whenever we need it um, because they go down there once a week. So, you know, this is just a good, good situation we have going with grains and there's no reason to ever change it. That's awesome. And you also use, um, you have a special one with Los Fagels too, right? We do. So we, years ago, uh, approached Dennis with this nutty idea, which my husband just kept shaking his head like, this is <laughs> this is crazy. But he would never say no. Right. So we thought, let's try it. Um, and so people always ask, are there slugs and onion bagels in there? No. It's, um, we got plain, multigrain, salt, poppy seed, sesame seed. We would get them frozen, put them through a wood chipper ferment and distill them just like any other batch because all bagels are is organic flour which is grain water salt and yeast so um we had a barrel it sold out in one day it the predominant flavor was the sesame bagel which did wonderful things in the barrel interesting yeah and we have one more barrel of it and it's going to be released in March. We're going to do a big debut with Los Bagels and Kinetic Coffee is going to get the barrel as soon as I empty it and put coffee beans in it. Oh, I love that so much. Yeah. So it'll be like a brunch themed, have your bagel whiskey, your bagel barrel coffee, and we'll have bagels there, of course. I love that. And I also love the name of some of your, with the serial killer. I think that's adorable. It's just such a great name. <laughs> Thank you. That's what grains are, right? Yes, yes. So let's talk about this equipment. So your husband, Steve, you're a husband and wife business, which I, I love so much. Mm-hmm. And so tell me about that. I mean, does that like enhance your relationship to be able to work so closely with your husband or... Definitely. Um, We've realized that one of our favorite ways of spending time together is working together. We love it. We love being busy and productive, and we definitely know how to play and take time off. Sometimes friends worry about us. We definitely know how to chill. Um, But we love spending time together. We had the construction company, but we weren't together all day every day. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm in the office. He goes out to the job site. So it was another way for us to spend time together. We're, we're a little bit even more separated now because I run the distillery full time mm-hmm. and he runs a construction company. But there's a lot of overlapping. And um, I couldn't do it without him. He installed all the equipment. He maintains it all, services it. Every time I break something, whether it be a hose or a fitting, he has the skills to come fix it. Um, so we definitely are a, a team with both businesses. That's awesome. And like a side note, so your construction company has um, done some of the more beautiful spaces in Arcata, at least that I know of, um, behind Salt, right? Yeah, we did Salt Fish House and their sister restaurant, Campground. Yeah, we've been lucky to do some really cool commercial projects. Yeah. And um, then we also do custom homes, which people don't get to see as much. But um, it is fun to tell people, hey, if you want to see our work, you can go into this list of restaurants. Yeah. Shout out. So the, and so I took my kids there like as a very special occasion, and they just could not get over how absolutely stunning and like on theme it is in there. So. Good job, you, for that, because I think it's just stunning in there. So let's talk about your equipment. Was that um, was that a hard process to get all of that stuff together? or 
Yeah, there's so many options. So when we went on that cross-country trip, Mm -hmm. because we were going to Kentucky, I surprised Steve by setting up a private tour at Vendome, which is a company that's been in business well over 100 years. Um, They do stills for tiny people like us and also really big distilleries. So Vendome Copper and Brassworks, if you're in the industry, you've heard of them. You aspire to have one. And so we had a private tour and I was thinking we could never afford this, but let's look at the best of the best. Well, by the end of the tour, we were both floored by the quality. The more that your spirit touches copper, the better pure spirit you're going to get. And these are 100% copper stills. So we we went back to the hotel room and I remember thinking or us discussing, we're going to get a Vendome. We're going to get a loan. We're going to figure it out. And not only that, we're going to get exclusively American-made equipment. Mm -hmm. We made that decision that day in Kentucky in the hotel room, and that's what we did. So we got um, our our still as a 300, or it's called a 250-gallon still. It fits 300 gallons of spirit. Um, They also sold us the cooker and a storage tank, and then we got an American-made steam boiler and an American-made roller mill. So those are kind of our main pieces of equipment. And it has a name, doesn't it? Well, yeah, because she's 100% (laughs) copper, so we had to name her Penny the Pot Still. And she has a a rubber stamp and stickers, and, you know, people will hashtag her when we do tours. And she, I mean, she's the heart of the distillery, for sure. And beautiful, too. And it's such a, a really intricate and interesting process. So why don't you take us through, like, from grain to bottle, what that looks like. Sure. So, yeah, it's funny. You hear, like, farm to table, and we say grain to bottle so or farm to bottle. So um, we start with the whole grain. We keep it in whole form until the day before I'm going to cook it. So that's how I schedule myself. It just sits in a tote, in a, you know, a a safe tote that can't get mice or moisture inside. Um, I mill it with our roller mill. It's called a Sasquatch roller mill, which just we had to get. I mean, come on. (laughs) Bobo's a good friend of ours, so we had to do it. Um, So I I mill that, um, and then I put it in the cooker the next day. So the cooker is filled with reverse osmosis water that we put in some select minerals and vitamins back in there. It go the grain goes right into the cooker and there's an agitator in there that's always stirring it. So um, it's it's you know it won't get too hot, it won't burn. There's a temperature gauge on the side of the cooker and there's certain things that happen. So at a certain temperature, I'll add enzymes for starch conversion. A lot of people ask if we use malted grains. We don't. If we were to take our local grains to a malting facility, it would probably be Oakland. Mm-hmm. And that makes no sense to me. I'm not going to drive local grain out of the area. Mm-hmm. So how do we get around that for starch conversion? We use liquid enzymes. Literally takes one cup for a 300-gallon wow. mash. So it's it's not a lot. Um, and then at another temperature, we pitch the yeast right into the cooker. Let the yeast agitate in there. Then we move that mash to a fermenter. Mm -hmm. We have open fermenters, which is a little rare. Um, Beer people would never have open fermenters because they don't want wild yeast. I want a wild yeast. We're across from the Arcata Marsh. There's so many native plants and bees and butterflies over there. And we're going to get a wild yeast that no one else could duplicate. So that's our our special flavor profile. Um, And it ferments three to five days, depending on the grain. And then when fermentation's done, we pump it into the pot still. The first run's called a stripping run. Okay. We're stripping all the alcohol we can off that run. I'm not tasting it. I don't care what it tastes like. Then it all gets pumped back into the still another day, and we do what's called the spirit run. And that's what most people are familiar with. There's heads, hearts, and tails that comes off the still. And hearts is really your goal to go into the bottle or into the barrel. Okay. So because you're using right local grain, I'm sure that is this a seasonal process or is this thing or is it like a, a constant thing? Great question. So um, harvest is seasonal. I can keep the grain fresh for months. Um, and what I like to do is just get the local grain and use all the local grain as fast as I can, mm-hmm. supplementing with corn from woodland. When I'm out of local grain, which happens every season, mm-hmm. 
Um, honestly, it'll be like around December or January. I'll run out of that local grain. And then I can buy grain from the same place I get the corn. I can get wheat and rye. Um, and so, yeah, I try to use the local grain when it's absolutely fresh from the farm. And then the other distributor I get the grains from, they keep it really fresh and clean. Mm -hmm. Right before they ship it to me, they actually clean it again. Um, so I can distill year round. Okay. And then so you say you have a 300 gallon thing pot. Mm -hmm. How many how many bottles comes out of that? What's like your your batch that you right. get out of that? So if it's the clear whiskey that goes straight to bottle, I'm going to get over 300 bottles. Okay. But if it goes into a barrel, the longer it sits in the barrel, there's something called the angel share. And that's where... Um, so what happens in a barrel is with the temperature changes, the spirit is constantly expanding and contracting into the barrel wood. And, you know, it has a char on the inside. Right. So when it expands and contracts, it's getting that darkness from the barrel. But some of it is dissipating into the atmosphere. That's what makes our distillery smell so good. But um, you lose some spirit. But the the proof goes up. So it's a little bit of a trade-off. Mm -hmm. So the longer it sits in there, like I just bottled a four-year-old bottled in Bond Rye, and I only got about 220 bottles. And so it's so sad to think that I lost out on 80 bottles, but the proof went up, and it's so smooth and so delicious, and you couldn't have gotten that without the time. Okay. Now, does the weather affect? I mean, because I imagine, like wine, you know, you don't get the exact same taste for every batch probably has some nuance to it. So does the weather, like what are the things that affect that? Yeah, definitely the weather. Um, our warehouse has a big roll-up garage door. And for a while, some of the barrels were getting direct sun on them. Mm -hmm. And we had um, a lot of, lo you know, angel share loss in those barrels. Mm -hmm. But one in particular was the best rye we've ever made. So now it's like, oh, boy, sunshine is good. It really heats up the barrel for taste, but you're going to have less volume. Mm -hmm. um, but where it is in the warehouse, you know, we stack two, four, six barrels. So the ones that are the two that are up top um, definitely come out different than the ones that are on the bottom by the cold concrete floor, different times of year. Yeah, it, it definitely all affects the, the taste. And even the grain, even if the farmers plant the same grain every year for us, mm -hmm. if they plant it on a different field, terroir is a thing. People only talk about it in wine. It is real. And, and that really affects the flavor as well. Sure. And like like wildfires, just like I know smoke has affected a lot of my friends that are vendors. Does that affect your grain as well? Um, fortunately, honeydew and petrolia don't really have wildfires. So we, we haven't, I know, knock on wood, thank you. Um, we haven't had to deal with that. But year to year, you know, they're dry farmers. They don't irrigate. And so they have very different summers there okay. from one to the next. So they, they could definitely do a whole other podcast with you probably about Ooh, that. I would love that. <laughs> I just, yeah, that's so fascinating to me. Um, you know, you take a drink of something and, you know, you don't really appreciate, like, all the years and years of, like, experience and learning um, and trial and error and perfection that goes behind it. So I just find stuff like this absolutely fascinating. So um, when did you make your first batch of bourbon that you knew, like, this is it? So, gosh, um, I'm going to say six years ago. Okay. And You're right. I have your timeline. Oh, good. <laughs> you'll, you'll know better than me. Um, yeah, you know, at first what we did was just single grain whiskeys. So we, we I hadn't even sourced corn yet mm -hmm. in the beginning. So we'd make a barrel of 100% rye, a barrel of 100% wheat. One was soft white wheat. One was hard red wheat. You know, I know the names of the varietals. Um, and we started realizing every single barrel tasted so different because people would say rye whiskey's rye whiskey. And I'd say, OK, cool. Let's do a, a blind tasting and I'm going to give you three different whiskeys. You tell me what they are. And they were all rye and they would say they all taste completely different. So we did that so that we would know the flavor profile of every grain, even though they, the nuances from year to year would change. And then when I got corn 
it was so fun to say, oh, let's do, you know, the Altura soft white wheat with the yellow corn with the Pacheco triticale. And so every barrel is pretty different. The percentages we use, the grains we use. Um, so starting to make bourbon was a real kick because you can do, it's like endless possibilities. And that first bourbon we did turn into a contest and it got a double gold. And so we said, well, okay, let's, you know, again, we'll change the mash bill, but let's never change the process or the barrels. That's amazing. And then so um, now you like teach classes? (laughs) No, (laughs) No? Um, we've done a couple. I've written maybe four articles. Uh So for um, Distiller Magazine, which American Distilling Institute puts out. Steve and I did one together called A Contractor's Guide to Building a Distillery. We still get calls from people that are like, I'm starting a distillery. I just read your article. Will you consult for me? So Steve's done some consulting one-on-one. We're just about ready to start doing tours again. We used to do free hour-long tours once a month. Although Steve's tour would end up being like two and a half hours. Yeah, I think I was on one of the long Yeah, ones, But I was like, all right, let's keep going. I know. <laughs> and there'd be people there at the end. That's why he kept going. But people would come and go. You know, that's a long time. But we there's so much we're willing to share. There's only a couple of like grandma's secret recipes I wouldn't ever tell. But otherwise, we are an open book. If you have questions come to us. I get I get hit up a lot on Instagram. Huh. You know, well what what that ferment you just posted, what's going on there? Or like, wh- you know, tell me about the bubbles or tell me about the temperatures or so we're happy to help um however we can. But otherwise, I just put my head down and do my thing. People don't usually come in, you know, unless we're open to the public. Right, right. And so you do now you make other things too. I see here you have an absinthe. Is that something that you? Still- we used to make an absinthe. Um, I I sourced mus- muscat wine okay. from Parducci in Ukiah. Okay. I brought it to Pat at Wrangletown to ferment for me because I I don't know what I'm doing with fruit. Um, we made an absinthe. I loved it. It was awesome. I cannot get muscat wine since. So that that sold out years ago. You'll still find some bars that have it behind their bar because a little goes a long way. I was going to say, yeah, how do you even like it's, taste that? Because that's oh, yeah. like a thing. Because you're like spritz it. That's the thing. thing. So the basement, who's just about to reopen, Yay. the old Abruzzi, they used to have an improved whiskey cocktail. You can still get it upstairs at Plaza Grill. And they literally... So a lot of bartenders will either spritz into the glass or um, pour some into the glass, swirl it around to coat the glass and pour it back into the bottle. Yeah. That's how little you need. So there is still some around because it's so used so sparingly. Mm-hmm. I miss it. I would love to get it back. I ca- I called all around this last harvest season and no one had it for sale. So Pat's at the ready to ferment for me if I can ever find it. Um, but that was a really fun product. And then let's talk about, it's no secret that my, my favorite thing is a Manhattan. In fact, after my council meeting last night, like mm. I skipped the wine and I went straight to a Manhattan. <laughs> I mean, sometimes, right? So where, where did that idea come from? Because now you have a barreled Manhattan um, which is like my favorite thing. Yes. Um, So High West Distillery in Colorado, I believe, they used to make a barrel-aged Manhattan, and we used to buy it at Wildberries. We took it on that cross-country trip, and it was brilliant. You pour it in a glass. Yes. Done. You know, when we work a 12-hour day, if you want to really go crazy, add ice and a cherry. But otherwise, like, it's ready to go. So we always wanted to do one. Um, So I found a... Uh, vermouth that we love. Mm-hmm. It's called Via Vermouth. It's made by Quadi Winery in Madera, California. And I approached them a few years ago and said, can I buy a whole tote of it? And I'll put your name on the bottle, on the label. And they said, we'd be honored. So I bought that. And then our favorite bitters, California Bitters, is made um, by a distillery in Sonoma called Alley Craft Distillery. And it's um, a wild mushroom. It's a candy cap mushroom. And to me, it tastes exactly like maple syrup. And so we had gone to a tasting down there and I said, hey, can I get, you know, so and so many gallons of it for this project? We'll put your name on the label. So they agreed. So it's all California ingredients. So it's our bourbon via sweet vermouth, candy cap bitters. And then we put it in a barrel for five months and then we bottle it. 
Yes, and thank you for making my habit just <laughs> that much easier because sometimes you don't want to mess with the cocktail shaker. And why I'm like I quest right for the best Manhattan in, our, well, in Arcata and Humboldt County, and uh, you guys. You nailed it. Spot on. So so glad you like it. I remember you posting in Humlush <laughs> about Manhattan once, and I thought, oh, no, she's an expert. And then you bought a bottle, and then you bought bottles for friends. Yes. I really appreciate it. And um, that you like it is a big compliment to oh, us. Yeah. No, it's good stuff. I, yeah. <laughs> um, so, and then, so that debuted um, in 2020, and then, like, something happened, right? Then... Yeah, what was that? <laughs> that was a trip. Um, yeah, you know, the pandemic was wild for both of our businesses. For the distillery, we just got rid of the tasting room. We yeah. sold the bar. Uh, we weren't even building the new tasting room yet. Um, but so I just, I the, the silver lining is I put my head down and I produced. Yeah. And I stocked up. And it makes me feel like now I have enough for this tasting room we opened because I put that those barrels away that many years ago. But you also like pivoted and you weren't you making like hand sanitizer for Yeah, we kept getting calls before I had even heard that distilleries were doing that. I kept getting calls for sanitizer and I said like, "Yeah, we make ethanol, but I don't know what the recipe is for sanitizer and you don't want to use ethanol on your skin and then there started being articles and on our guild, our distillers guild started talking. And then I saw distilleries were doing it. And then the FDA got involved. And so there were recipes available. And so I thought, well, I had a batch of rye whiskey going at the time. Mm -hmm. And I thought, wait, at one point I could not put this in a barrel it's the same process. I, I make the alcohol, but instead of trying to get the hearts we talked about earlier, mm. I want the ethanol. I want the stuff that come. I want the high, high proof stuff. And then I figured out how to what to add to it to make it sanitizer. We got label approved. You have to get federal label approval for anything you do. Our label company donated the labels and um, we just pivoted to that. And we made, I think, just two batches. And I, I had a spreadsheet at that point of everyone that had called. I mean, we're talking Mad River Hospital, St. Joe's Hospital, the fire department, the sheriff. And and then I had people like preschool teachers and, um, you know, retirement villages. And so once I gave it to everyone on the list, we still had some. And I called, does anyone need more? And every single person said, we're fine. You can find it in the stores again. Thank you for your service. And so I went back to making whiskey. Right on. And yeah, and th thank you. I think that that really like felt, it was such a wild time. I still like think back on those years. Like, was that like a weird dream where my like kids at home doing school? Uh, but um, thank God for your Manhattan. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so when did the idea then come to like build this new tasting room? Well, you know, we're we're in the pandemic. I'm making a lot of whiskey. Then the question becomes, uh, how are we going to sell all this whiskey? So one thing that did happen was the governor signed a bill so we could ship direct to consumer. Okay. Because I can, I've always been able to sell three bottles per person per day out okay. of the distillery, and we were still doing that in the pandemic. We had faithfuls that would come. Yeah, there was like <clears throat> that locker situation. Yeah. yeah. So we Steve built a liquor locker where you get a Wi-Fi code. There's a camera on it. We can talk to you. We make sure it's you coming to pick it up. Um, we use that a lot, but then we could ship throughout California. We still can till December 31st. That expires. Okay. So we did start selling a lot direct to consumer. Our distributor that gets us into stores and liquor stores still did really well, but you know, restaurants and bars, that really tapered off. Yeah. So then we have all this booze in storage, not as many sales. So we thought, someday this pandemic shall end. We should let the public in again. Let's start building our dream distillery. Wildly around this time, the storefront in front of our facility came available. Actually, I think it was before the pandemic, mm -hmm. but we kind of used it as a storage unit. Mm -hmm. And then it became, wait, this is going to be our new tasting room. It's attached to our distillery, but it is a storefront on South G full of windows mm -hmm. that gets great exposure. So um, we just, Steve started designing it. 
We started figuring out what kind of kitchen we wanted, what kind of decor we wanted. And literally three years ago, we started construction. Wow. Because we are so busy in our construction company, we would work this day, this weekend. You know, we never worked full time on it. Mm-hmm. And so um, so now it's ready. So let's talk about it because it's so exciting because I think one of the things um, that's new is like the kitchen facility that you have in there. So and that's like top of the line awesomeness. So let's talk about that. Yeah. So I have a we have a craft distiller's license. It's called 74 for people that want to research it. So. Um, It does allow us to sell those three bottles per person per day. It does allow us to have a tasting room. Without food, your limit is an ounce and a half per person per day. So people that have been coming into the tasting room for our little soft openings know this. Mm -hmm. It's literally one drink per person. Well, we wanted to build a kitchen because once you're a bona fide eating place, you're a restaurant. You can come in and have three Manhattans, Meredith. Yay. You can stay for four hours. And you I will can... not be driving myself home. Yeah. Never. And we have a little list up for cabs and, and, and uh, you know, if you need help calling an Uber <laughs> or whatever. So that's why we did it. We did it so that someday Steve retires from construction. We can sell more than one drink per person, which I'm not I'm not saying I want to get people drunk. I'm saying I want people to stay longer. And if people have one drink, a lot of times they're going to leave 30 minutes later they're not going to stay for a band. And it's such a fun place to hang out, too. Like, it's, yeah. Yeah, we, you know, we want, and it's fun for us to have people pull up a chair and stay a while. So we're slowly getting the kitchen ready. Um, I'm going to announce right now our first chef is Maricela from Cocina Mariposa. Ooh, that's amazing. So we've been meeting for a couple months now. We have um, a dinner coming up, a pairing dinner that we're starting to invite kind of our VIPs to. We're going to open it up to the public. And that's going to kick us off. We're going to learn a lot from that dinner, you know, how to smoothly get orders to the kitchen, etc. So until then, if you come in, like tomorrow night we have an event, it's going to be that one drink per person. Mm -hmm. But when you come in and there's a chef behind the kitchen, you know, hey, stay a while. We might have a band later. You know, make it your evening instead of your stop before you actually go somewhere else for dinner. I love that. And then you're going to have rotating chefs, right? Right. So our list right now is like 45 interested chefs. I bet. Yeah. So we're going to start with people we know and love and trust that will have grace with us and vice versa. Um, But then I'm going to start, you know, expanding to caterers and chefs and people that we've never even met that have called and said, can I be on the list? What a great opportunity. I think that's amazing. And then bands, too. Yeah. So we really want to. Steve's been in bands since he was 14. He's still in a band. So and it's going to be diverse. You know, you're going to want to know before you come in. It could be hardcore heavy metal. It could be jazz. It could be our friends, kids, you know, violin with a little busking jar. It's going to be the gamut. I love that. So work, 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 work. Talked about a lot about that. So what do you guys do to like, what's your downtown time look like? Because you know, like self-care is so important and taking that time. Definitely. I will say these days it is Sunday at home, not driving to town. Like that is lately because we're not getting out of town and we're just so excited about getting the tasting room open. We don't even want to go out of town. So um, just, you know, reading, hanging out at home. We play dominoes. We watch movies. We have friends over. But um, when we're back to normal life, Mm -hmm. um, we have a travel trailer. It's a vintage Airstream. Um, We have a Harley that we love riding around. I ride on the back. Um, and yeah, just dinner with friends, I would say, is one of our very favorite things to do. And of all the the spirits that you make, what's your favorite? What, what do you what do you drink at home? I mean, I'm going to say the Triticale and okay. and that is a wheat rye hybrid. So you get the sweetness of the wheat, the pepperiness of the rye. Um, I used to only be able to get it from Woodland. Mm-hmm. Now the Heinleys grow Triticale. So that's super exciting. That's my favorite for sure. And just over an ice cube? I do. Um, we love gigantic ice 
And so I will put it over that ice cube and I will walk away for an hour mm-hmm. and come back and then it's perfect for me. Yeah. You know, when I was at your tasting room, so you I, you had that like slushy that I ordered and then my husband got a, a rye and we he immediately like switched with me because he's <laughs> a little bit of a lightweight and I, and I enjoy a libation. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And I just, first of all, the ice machine is, <laughs> I would watch that. So they have this like, machine that's like this big like chunk of ice and they put in it and then magic happens and then you have a lovely sphere (laughs) which is you know I love a fancy ice cube and yeah and I noticed that like as it sat you know flavors opened up and it just became a really like lovely drink so and that's super interesting Thank you. Yeah. So our proof is high. Our proof is 101 for all of our age spirits. And, you know, people are used to something being 80, you know, like Maker's Mark, I feel like is around 80. So sometimes I have to warn people, you know, like this is strong, but here's why. Mm -hmm. So when we were first starting the distillery, we met with a lot of bartenders doing our research and development. And they kept saying, Please put your proof higher because I'm going to put it in a shaker with ice and vermouth and bitters Mm -hmm. and lemon juice and it's going to get diluted or I'm going to put it on the rocks and it's going to get diluted. And so we took that to heart. So and Steve loves wild turkey who has a 101 fetish with his whiskey and then, of course, the highway, the 101. So we have a very high proof, but you can proof it down with water with ice or with other ingredients. Yeah, and that's what I love about it. I mean, drinking doesn't have to be like a a gulping thing, right? This is definitely like a, you know, a sipping, you know, having conversation. It's, you know, it's more of a a long time. It's not something that you drink like quickly. It's something that you enjoy and like notices things open up. And I just really love that. That's how we like it, too. And if someone wants it neat, that's fine. But I'm not going to put it in a shot glass. Yeah. You know, like I'm putting it in a big rocks glass. We make glasses from our bottles. We cut the bottles down and sand them. And to me, you know, at least hold a proper glass. If you want to shoot it, whatever. You paid for it. Do whatever you want. But it definitely is stronger. And it is, you know, nice to enjoy over time. Yeah. So... Where did you and Steve meet? Like, how long has this story been going on? That's it. It's kind of like an adorable story. And it's led me to every couple I meet. I ask, how would you meet? Because I just love knowing that about people. So very short version. I was a social worker before we met. And at the time, I worked for Humboldt Women for Shelter. Now it's Humboldt Domestic Violence Services. And he volunteered to be Santa for the Christmas party. And... For some reason, he thought it was a good idea to wear a fake beard over his over beard. His beard. <laughs> it was about half as long at the time, and a little girl to saw. That. It was it was so silly. Because has the beard always been? Like- well, I've never known him without it. When we met in two thousand, it was probably half the length it is now. So I I've only seen his chin in photos, but he had this fake stupid beard above uh, uh, above his real beard, and a little girl saw red hair coming through and started crying (laughs) and was so confused. And he called her over to sit on his lap and started telling her a story in her ear. And she wiped her tears away and started laughing. And that was the moment I thought, "Uh Uh uh-oh, (laughs) uh-oh. And we went out for a, he asked me out for a drink afterwards while he was still in his outfit. And um, that was literally our first date. So 20, almost 23 years ago. Wow. (laughs) And um, and then you got married. And so are you a Humboldt, both Humboldt natives? No, we both moved here to go to the university. Oh, okay. Um, and he started the construction company in 98. And then I left social work to join him in 2004. We started running that business together. So, you know, we definitely had some years where we did our own thing. Mm-hmm. And we weren't, you know, thinking of being entrepreneurs together. But then that became our path. That's so wonderful. <laughs> and um, yeah, so do you um, so are you gonna hire like a staff down there or is it something that you two are just gonna like run together? 
So we, our business model is to never have employees with the distillery. I definitely am enough for the distiller. We're limited by our space. So I can make two barrels a month Mm -hmm. and that would not be faster with more humans. Right. Like we're just limited by the equipment and the space. Um, For the tasting room, he and I will be behind the bar. And then the kitchen, because it's guest chefs, I think of it as their kitchen, their subletting. It's requiring a lot of paperwork to get them set up. Mm -hmm. Um, But... You know, it's their kitchen. So you you take an order at the bar at the end of the night. We're going to give them all the money minus a percentage for the rental fee. And that's I think that's how it's always going to be. That's really smart. Right. Because they bring in their own food. They, you know, figure out how much they're going to need. And then they just take it with them. And it's. Exactly. So, and they set the, they do the menu planning, the shopping, the cooking. They bring their own staff. And, um, you know, we're just there to pair our spirits with their food and promote the heck out of it. So you'll sit down with the chef and like he'll, they will make you like whatever they're going to make. And then you'll sit and think, oh, this will be good with this and this will be good with that. Yeah. So Maricela and I just did that um, with her absolutely insane food. Best. Oh, it's about, sure. if you've never gone, go to the golf course. I know it's a quirky location worth it. Um, But she's so excited to have her customers come to Arcata now. Um, And so, yeah, so she made six dishes, put them in front of us. I had six cocktails ready and then decided which went with which with her help. Um, And then we'll do that with every chef, you know, and some of the chefs. So she obviously owns a business, a Mm -hmm. restaurant. And um, another chef like that is Josh Wiley from Um, 511. And then that gives us an opportunity and Danny from South G Food Truck down the street. So, you know, then we can say, hey, South G has two locations tonight or 511 has two locations tonight. So we're all about cross promoting and giving that business all the attention because it's it's they're the ones single handedly doing the food. Yeah. And I'll probably give them a chance to be a little more creative. Like I know that Josh has his like menu at 511 and but how fun would it be for him to like get to do his own thing for a night and pair I know he likes a cocktail so Mm -hmm. it'll be fun that's so fun yeah and like uh Barrett from Ramones she said oh our chef will come do a Greek night now they might never want to serve Greek food at Ramones but they could do it and see how it goes they could try you know chefs could try a recipe out see if it's you know a bestseller and then take it back to their restaurant or do something they would never do in their restaurant so it's it's kind of fun to see how each chef will approach it i love that that's so great so on the scale of like you know makers mark to you guys where do you fall on the spectrum as far as you know production and like, are you super, are there people oh. smaller than you, do you know? Or I would be surprised to find too many smaller than us. Okay. Um, people will have smaller stills for sure, mm-hmm. but sometimes they'll have a taller column and they'll be able to kick out more product. So volume wise, I mean, two barrels a month is tiny. Mm-hmm. There are t- distilleries that call themselves craft and they fill a hundred bottles a day. Oh wow! And they still qualify as craft. Um, so, like Humboldt Distillery in Fortuna, they are kicking out product. Mm-hmm. I will never be in Costco. We were asked like the first month we were open, uh, someone at Costco stopped me, and I said, "I will never have full pallets for you right. as often as you need them." So I like that. I like our our distribution is exclusively Humboldt County, except one store in San Francisco because it's a cool store. But otherwise, we keep it close to home because I want enough to sell direct to consumer in the new tasting room. I love that. So, you know, we've got a couple minutes left. What is like the next iteration that look like? What what do you've got? What have you got in the works? I think we're just most excited about the tasting room. So we're having a ribbon cutting on Friday the 20th with the Arcata Chamber. You guys have been so sweet and you ask periodically. And I thought, 
Yes, now is the time. So we're going to have a ribbon cutting. We're going to have some fun surprises that day for anyone that comes to the photo op. It's at 430. Um, we're going to close off the parking lot. I got approval to do that. Oh, and um, it's going to be really fun. You can stop, check out the tasting room, have a cocktail. Um, and then from there, we're just going to start having more and more events. Some are going to be RSVP ahead of time, get a ticket. Some are going to be drop in, see who the chef is. We're going to have bands. Um, so just it's all unfolding. Yeah. And then you have something this Friday night, right? We do. So Savage Henry Comedy Club has a um, fest every year. We were a, um, a venue for them once years ago at the old look at the old tasting room. Um, back by the still. And so tomorrow night, we're going to open the doors at five for people that want to come in and just have a drink. Nice. And then if you want to come for the comedy, you want to get there by seven. There's eight comedians. And um, the only price to get in is $10 and that'll get you a cocktail. Yeah. So for $10, you're going to get a drink and eight really fantastic comedians. That's a good deal. I think so. Yeah. And, you know, I really do think we might sell out. So um, there are venues all over Humboldt. And I'm going to have a sign up that shows you all the other places you can go to support Savage Henry if you don't come to our place. All right. And so, Amy, where is what's the address of your tasting room for people that want to find it? Where are you located? We're 324 South G. South G is very confusing to people because the addresses are in order for the houses and then they start over for the commercial so here's I what I tell people. Okay. Yeah, it's, uh, people drive back and forth all the time. 324 is above the door, the glass door. So it is above the door. Our entrance is exactly directly across the street from the huge Arcata Marsh parking lot. Okay. And I would recommend people park in that parking lot and just walk across the street. And we're yeah. right there. Yeah, you can go have a drink at 5 and then go walk around and watch the sunset. I think that's Yep. And you can go down to Redwood Curtain. They yes. have food, really amazing food at South G Food Truck. So there's, you know, South G is up and coming. Their food is awesome. It and, is. And yeah, I love Redwood Curtain. Yeah, South G, right? Mm -hmm. It's the next the next yeah, big thing. I think right. so. You heard it here, folks. <laughs> so anyway, Amy, thank you so much. This was such a great I really appreciate like sharing your history and and what you've done. Um Again, we really appreciate like what you bring to Arcata and to Humboldt County, and I'm very much looking forward to hanging out in your tasting room again. So I look forward to seeing you and Nick, and um, yeah, everyone is welcome. Awesome. Well, you have a great day. You too.